Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles turned, hopefully you're there. Acts chapter 9, we're continuing through our our journey uh, of of Acts, the mission and movement of God. Uh, And we're going to dive into the text in in just a moment. Uh, Growing up, like I know this is going to be a shocker for some, but growing up, I was what what we called a a high energy kid. Um, And and so my, my, my childhood church Little Baptist church that I grew up in, they, they had like these these uh, uh, hedge plants, these plant hedges that formed this giant U shape around the building. And, and so every Sunday, as as I had like gone an hour and a half, like storing up all my energy, sitting semi still. Uh, inevitably, what would happen is church would let out, and I like I would immediately go sprinting out the door and just start hurtling over the hedges. Just like hurtling, and so my Steph and I, we we grew up together. Uh, my my father-in-law confessed years later that like most Sundays, he, like he just wanted to trip me, he, like just put a foot out, trip me. But as I think back on my time, you know, obviously my time at our little my my little childhood church, my parents. Uh, our, our pastor, Brother C.E. Tipton, huge influences on, on my life and, and my, my walk with Jesus. Uh, but but there, there were definitely, looking back, there were these just sort of low-key life changers that God, God put in, in, in my path to steer my heart towards the Lord. Um, these low-key life changers that God was using as well. I had a, uh, like my fourth grade Sunday school teacher at our little church was a guy named Mark Brightcrates. And this dude was a saint. Like he just, he faithfully poured in uh, scripture uh, into a group of of nine-year-old boys that like could not keep their mouths shut, right? Uh, I, I think about my eighth grade Sunday school teacher, Leon Parsons, who I think is still a deacon in my parents' church. And this dude, again, just so faithful to love on, on these eighth grade boys, like, uh, and, and pour God's word into this group of, like, kids who, like, just endless energy, probably a, a healthy amount of B.O., um, some throwing some angst in, in like uh, pimply 13-year-old boys. He just poured into us. I, I think about like the, 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 the Christian school where I went my junior and senior year, and, and I think about my senior Bible teacher, J- Pastor Jim Way, and how this dude is just this kind of low-key life changer who just poured God's Word into us and, and really helped me connect the Word of God with the culture around me. And I don't know about you, but, but God, God has used people like that in my life to steer my, my heart and my life towards Jesus. Uh, and, and so maybe, you know, right now, this morning, here, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about, think about some of those folks in your life. And as, and as you're thinking about them, maybe just praise, like, praise God for them, right? 
And maybe just, just, just thank, thank God for putting some of these, these life changers, these low-key life changers in, in your life. And, and the thing is, hear me, that others, others may not remember their name, but uh, listen, those that they impacted for Christ remember the name of Jesus. Amen? In, in church, the story of Ananias is, is the story of a low-key life changer right? It is a story of a low, low-key life changer whose sole purpose, like from what we can tell from scripture, was to connect Saul, who would become Paul, to Jesus and to his church, right? That, like, that, was, that was his purpose. And, and what's, what's crazy is that as you look at the text, he's not even the most like, famous Ananias in scripture, Right? Like, we've already rolled through Acts 5. Like, by far the more famous Ananias is the guy who, like, lied to the Holy Spirit and got struck down dead. Like, we remember that guy because we're like, let's not do that. But Acts 9, Ananias, man, the church needs more dudes like this. And we need more brothers and sisters like this. We desperately need it. And the question is, as we dive into our text this morning, is what about, what about you? Like, are you, are you open and, and willing to, to be this, this low-key life changer, ready to just kind of quietly and, and, and humbly pour yourself out for others so that they can be connected with Christ and with the, with the body of Christ, with, with, with his people? So I want to look at three things this morning. As we look at, at how to be a, a, a low-key life changer, as we look at, at Ananias' role and Saul's conversion and Saul's calling, and the first thing I, I want to say this morning as we look at verse 10 is you've got to be available, right? You, you've got to be available. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, be available. Yeah. That was pretty good. Y'all beat the 9 o'clock service, okay? So, but you've got more in you. Look at your other neighbor and say, be available. Be available. Awesome. So look at, look at verse 10. It just, it says this. There, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Be available. How, listen, how the, how the gospel got to Damascus at this point uh, it's not mentioned whether, whether the gospel came up through uh, the north through Galilee or another area. Uh, we don't know, but what we do know is that Ananias was a Jewish believer in Damascus. This brother was a Jewish believer in Damascus. And, and check this out, church. Not an apostle, okay? Not a, uh, not a deacon, not, a, not, not BFFs with somebody named Peter or, or John. R.C. Sproul says this dude was just a faithful Christ follower who had placed himself at the Lord's disposal. And so the Lord, the Lord says in a vision, he says, Ananias, and, and, and his response is, here I am, Lord. 
Here I am, Lord, reminiscent of Isaiah in Isaiah 6 and his vision of of the Lord. The first words out of Ananias' mouth are are words of lordship, but also is a word of availability. We talked about this a couple weeks ago is, is we looked at Philip and his example and we said, hey, part of the deal is like when God calls, like you, you already need to have your yes established. Like it's just, it's already got to be on the table. And, and we see that here later in Acts 22, verse 12, I believe, uh, Paul, Saul, who would become Paul, describes Ananias as a devout man of God. He, he describes him as being well spoken of by the Jews who lived in Damascus. So, so here's what we know. Ananias already had, check this out, a track record of faithfulness. Just like Philip, his life was already characterized by a devotion uh, to God. So when, when we roll up on verse 10, it's not like Ananias was just kind of sitting idly by, sitting on the sidelines. Like, hear, hear me, he was already in the game. He was already on mission. It, it, it makes me think of, uh, uh, made me think this week of, of the Aggies. See, we have, we have this statue of E. King Gill, right? right? I think it's right outside of Kyle, Kyle Phil. So we got the 12th man. We got E. King Gill proudly on display uh, out, outside of Kyle Phil. And, and the story uh, almost 100 years later has become something of a legend as, as, we, as we reminisce uh, about this student who was re- willing and, and ready to, to jump into the game when duty called. And here's what's funny about the story. Like we, we love to like pass this down to like, is each class of Aggies comes in, right? We're telling them this story. We're talking about the 12th man. We got our 12th man towels. We forget E. King Gill had the year before been a backup running back right? Like his freshman year, he was on the squad. The only reason he wasn't on the squad is because he, he went in, in his sophomore year, pursued basketball. That's why I didn't play football at A&M. So I was focused on basketball. Um, but he can Gill, here's the deal. This dude was in shape, right? He had he had worked out with the team. He probably still knew the plays. And so it wasn't just that he was available. He had already been faithful to help the team. And so that day in 1922, when coach looked up at the press box, when he looks up at the stands, like he didn't, he didn't call Billy Bob, right? Like, cause Billy Bob might've gotten blown up by that 250 pound lineman, uh, that, that was barreling down on him. Gill was chosen, check this out, not just because of his present availability, but also because of his previous activity. Let me say that again. Gill was chosen not just because of his present availability, but because of his previous activity. And, and, and here's, let me drop some application here. What, what, is this, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for you? It means you, you can talk all you want about, man, being available to be used by God. But, but if you are already, like if you're sitting on the sidelines uh, in, in, the, in the day-by-day, in the small things, in the day-to-day things, you're probably going to miss the big assignments too. 
you're probably going to miss the big assignments too. Low-key life changers are marked by a humble faithfulness in the small things. Low-key life changers are, are marked by this humble faithfulness in the, in the little things, the small things. They, they serve quietly, right? Not like, not like the Pharisees in Matthew 6, right? Not doing things to be seen by men. They Listen, they move toward others. They, they pray for others. They serve others. They, they share the gospel. Like Ananias, the track record church family, it's already there. The track record is already there. Church, years back, I, I preached a message on how so much of ministry takes place in the margins, in the margins of our lives. We've got to, to build in these margins because part of the problem with culture today is we like, we've got to fill every square inch of space. We just jam-pack our lives with, with so much busyness. Often, we don't, like, we don't even have, you might even have the margin available in your life if God puts somebody right in front of you, you're missing that conversation. And you don't even have the spiritual space in your life to hear the voice of God. And it raises the question, how, how many of us are, are missing those daily assignments and those divine opportunities simply because we're, we're just not available? Not available. Second thing this morning, as we look at verses 11 through 16, be courageous in the face of fear. Low-key low, low life changers are courageous in the face of fear. Once you look at your neighbor, say, be courageous. be courageous. For an introvert, for your introvert neighbor, it was courageous just to say, be courageous, okay? Now, look at your other neighbor and say, be courageous. Be courageous. Awesome. Look at verse 11, verses 11 through 16. It says this. The Lord said to him, rise. Go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Look for a man of, of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying. Verse 12, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may, might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Low-key life changers are, are courageous, even, even in the face of fear. So it's interesting that the, the street... Uh, called Straight. It still exists today in Damascus. It, it, runs, it runs east to west through the city. Uh, it goes by a, a different name. But, but Kent Hughes, he jokes about this, this, uh, this scenario. He says, you can almost imagine Ananias listening to the Lord and, and responding affirmatively and then maybe like following up with a question or two like, okay, go, go, to, go to Straight Street. Okay, got it. Cool. All right, uh, a man from Tarsus. Cool, okay. Saul, I'm sorry to say Saul, like, like Lord, like the Saul, like the Saul who is tearing up your church right now. Lord, are you sure? See, Saul's reputation was well known. 
Saul's reputation was well known by all. But see, in verse 12, God reassures Ananias that just, just as he was revealing his plan through a vision to him, he was also revealing the same, the same plan through a vision to Saul as well. And, and listen, Ananias was about to understand the role that he was going to play in Saul's life was a lot more than just physically healing Saul's eyesight. Now, I read a few commentators this week who, who were kind of, they were super neg on Ananias, kind of quote-unquote his, his like lack of faith. I'm like, really? Now, you might want to cut this brother some slack. And they were neg on his initially balking at the mission. But can you even imagine? Like, put yourself in Ananias' shoes. shoes. Like, if Saul, like, you're, you're thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> If Saul is blind, like that means, it is awesome. That means he can't see Christians. Like this is fantastic, right? Because this dude was coming into our town armed with legal documents to kill Christians. And so at this point, Ananias is thinking like, wait, 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 Lord. Like you want me to just like roll, like roll in there in, in the same room with Saul. Do you want me to lay my hands on him so he can see so he can see Christians again, right? God's like, yeah, perfect. Saul, who had already done tremendous injury to the church of God. Saul, who, who came with all the backing and the authority of the religious establishment to persecute Christians. Little little side note, as you look at verse 13, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a detour. I love, I love that Ananias in verse 13 refers to Christ followers back in Jerusalem as the saints, the holy ones. This is the first time that's used in the New Testament to describe the church. Notice it wasn't a, wasn't a special title reserved for those who had performed miracles or led great movements. I mean, church, think about it. The apostle Paul, Saul, who became the apostle Paul later, he would call the Corinthian church saints, right? And like they had all kinds of problems. And he called the Corinthian church saints. Listen, it was never about a select few with halos over their heads. It was, this, it was about this theological reality that for, for anyone who has received the mercy of God in Christ is automatically set apart for God in Christ. Set apart ones. They're, they're the holy ones. They're the saints. In verse 15 the Lord, the Lord says, go. The Lord says, go. And the text reveals that Saul would be God's chosen instrument. Daryl Bach says the implication is to someone who has a certain function or, or, a, or a, a certain role to perform. Check this out. This is what's going on. Formerly, the one who, who would bind those who would call on the name of Jesus was about to take the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to both Jew and Gentile. The, the one who had inflicted immense suffering on the church was about to learn what it was to suffer for the name and for the sake of Christ. And the word to Ananias stood firm. He just said, go. 
Ananias had to trust the word of God. He had to step out in faith and, and, and be courageous, church, even in the face of fear. There's a story of, of one of the early church fathers, Polycarp, who, who was drugged into the Roman Colosseum and, and his accusers demanded that he, he recant or they were going to kill him. They were going to murder him. And, and Polycarp's words have echoed throughout history. He said this, 80 and six years I have served him. He has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And he was martyred that very day. This, this uh, disciple of the Apostle John, he exhibited unabashed courage even in the face of death. But here's the reality. I think what's crazy is that for most of us in this room, listen, like God's not calling you to be courageous in the face of certain death. Like, he's just calling you to be courageous at the office tomorrow. Right? He's calling you to be courageous in your classroom. He's calling you to be courageous with that lost friend or that family member. How about this, parents? He's calling you to be courageous, to take ownership of the discipleship of your kids and pour yourself out so that they can be connected to Jesus, which is kind of the most important thing. He's calling you, listen, to be courageous in that, that decision or, or, or that's going to be hard or maybe even unpopular, but it's in alignment with the Word of God. Let me, let me, let me drop a little more application here. Listen, I, I, I've heard this. You hear this. I've heard it several times over the years where people, uh, Christians, well-meaning Christians, just say, man, I just, I don't, like, I don't have a peace about this, right? Like, I just, I just, I, I don't have a peace about that. If, like, if you think for one second that Ananias had a peace about just like walking up in the room with Saul and like laying hands on that brother so he could receive his sight, like if you, it, like, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Sometimes we've talked about this through Acts. God calls us to do hard things. Sometimes his will, it, it does, it, it runs through some rugged terrain. But the more we step out in obedience, the more our courage grows. The more we step out in obedience, the more our courage grows. And we, as, we, as we watch God move and flex and power, even in circumstances, a lot of times that seem like they're out of control, newsflash, they are. Circumstances that we don't understand. Church, be courageous. Amen? Be courageous. And, and, and some of you need to be reminded. Like, there's a spiritual battle. Like All of the spiritual forces of hell are arrayed against the mission and the movement of God. There, like, there's a reason it's not easy to share the gospel. Like, there's, there's a reason uh, why it's hard to, like, just stop and, like, uh, offer to pray with your friend or your family member or your coworker. There's a reason we'd rather sit in comfort uh, than, than face fear. But when everyday Christians start stepping out of their comfort zone to respond to the Spirit's promptings and, and assignments, listen, lives, lives are changed and, and eternities are changed. But church, we, like, we've got to be courageous. We've got to be courageous. 
Third thing this morning, as we look at verses 17 through 19, low-key life changer, you got to be a gracious connector. You've got to be a gracious connector. Once you look at your neighbor, say gracious connector. Look at your other neighbor, say gracious connector. Awesome. Verse 17 says, so Ananias departed. He entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And he arose, he was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. From Ananias's, or, or let me just say this, from Saul's vantage point, can you, can you imagine that the first words that he heard out of Ananias's mouth, the first word was brother. Man, can you even imagine? After all he had done, the first word that he heard out of Ananias' mouth from his lips was, brother, the enemy, the enemy is called a brother. The, the former foe is now welcomed as family. Church, this is the gospel. What a picture of the gospel. And what a, what a significant word this was. Tony Marita says this, Saul of Tarsus, who once despised Christ in his church, is about to be buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. In fact, from this point forward, Marita says, he is identified with Christ and the people of Christ. Ananias, listen, he wasn't just connecting Saul to Jesus. He was connecting him to Christian community. Like the gospel, the gospel changes everything. Amen? Like we, we talk about this in our membership class where we say, hey, the gospel changes everything. It changes your identity. Like it should change your thinking, how you view your sin, how you view yourself and the world. It, it should change your affections, what you love and desire. It changes your family. Like it absolutely gives you a new gospel family and it changes your purpose and your mission in life. So clearly, somewhere between Saul's encounter with, with Jesus on the Damascus Road and the ministry of Ananias, Saul came to know and to believe that Jesus was the Christ. Like he absolutely came to believe this. And it's clear, listen, again, Saul, Saul recounts, Paul recounts this testimony three times in Acts. We see it again in Acts 22. And, and so, in fact, I, I want you to stay there in Acts 9 and look over at Acts 22. It says this in Acts 22, 12 through 16. In one, this is Paul sharing his testimony. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. He came to me, standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight. And I saw him, and check this out. He said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one. What's he doing? He's sharing the gospel. 
and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you do this? Right? Right? Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Understand what's going on. As he's laying his hands on him, healing is the spirit of God's coming. It's coming in conjunction with the proclamation of the gospel. Y'all catch that? R.C. Sproul says this, something literally fell from the eyes of Saul, who would become Paul. Some sort of flakes that had concealed the light from his eyes kept him from blind for three days. And so at the same time that Saul is receiving his sight back, listen, he, he, the Spirit of God is falling on him as he's responding to the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ. And the text then tells us he was immediately baptized. That day, God used a low-key life changer. Church, somebody that we don't even hear from again in Scripture. Not until this story is retold again in Acts 22. Like, we don't even hear from this guy again. But God used him. Ananias, who, whose name actually means God is gracious, graciously and humbly played the role of connector to his new brother in the faith. Church, when Christ, when Christ returns and ushers in his, his kingdom, listen, we're, we're going to discover so many nameless people this side of eternity that God used greatly to connect others to Christ. Amen? We're going to we're going to get into the kingdom, and let me tell you, there's going to be reward for those brothers and sisters. Like, when we get into the kingdom, like, we're going we're gonna to know their names. The, not, not many people know the, the name of, of, of Edward Kimball. Uh, maybe a few of you know that name, but Edward Kimball, listen, Edward was a Sunday school teacher in Boston over 150 years ago. And as was his practice, he would go and visit some of the young guys, some of the teenagers in his Sunday school class. And because his heart was burdened to share the gospel. And so uh, there was a, a kid by the name of Dwight, a teenager in his Sunday school class. Dwight was working for his uncle at a shoe store. So Edward Kimball went and he shared the gospel with Dwight Moody, and Dwight Moody prayed to, to receive and to follow Jesus. And Dwight Moody, God would use to reach thousands for the gospel. He would start a church. He would start a Bible college, all, all because God used a low-key life changer. <laughs> like we, we have got to get this. We have got to get this. I, I saw yet a, a, a story of another pastor who, who had fallen. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on, but I, I, saw, I, saw a, uh, I saw a meme on Facebook. And, and, it, and, it, and I just chuckled. And I thought, yeah. And it just, it just said this. Um, make, make pastors uncool again. <laughs> make pastors uncool again. And I, I, I thought, yeah. That's, that's, that's it. Church, we, like, we don't need, we don't need any more celebrity pastors. Like, we, don't, we don't need celebrity worship leaders. Like, we don't need celebrity teachers and personalities. Man, like, that is worn out. 
Like they're just flawed, fallible people like everyone else. Our attention needs to be on Christ, not in those in elevated positions. Amen? We need, hear me, like we need everyday people in the church to be low-key life changers for their friends, for their family members, for their kids, for their neighbors, and for the lost world around them. Hear me, I, like, I believe that we will see immense revival. We will see spiritual awakening and, and renewal break out when we all take ownership of being humble, gracious connectors. Just connecting people to Jesus. Connecting people to the body of Christ. Just like Ananias. I'll close, I'll close with this this morning. In verse 14 through 16, three times, there is this heavy emphasis on the name of Jesus. You see it three times. It talks about the name of Jesus. And I, I think the primary reason why so many of us balk uh, at this call to be low-key life changers is because we're still more about our name than we are the name of Jesus. We're still more about our name than we are the name of Jesus. It's hard to be available. It's hard to be courageous. It's hard to be a gracious connector when you're more more about yourself than you are your surrender. And so here's here's the deal. Low-key life changers don't have any other agenda other than the will of God. Low-key life changers don't have any other agenda other than the will of God. They understand that their role is to connect others to Christ and to the body of Christ. One of my, one of my joys as a pastor in a, in a college town is, is to minister to students, but it's also bittersweet because we watch over the last seven years, we've watched students come and we've watched students go. But one of the, one of the things that I love, one of my joys is to hear back from former students uh, and, and to come alongside and help them get plugged into a gospel-centered Bible-preaching church in, in whatever town, wherever they're landing. And so over the years, helping students get connected in churches, local churches all over Texas and even outside of Texas. And it brings me joy because I know that RCB, restoration, it's just a pit stop. For a lot of students, it's just a pit stop on their faith journey. And it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if 50 years from now, they don't remember the name of restoration. What matters is that they understand the significance of being connected to Christ in the body of Christ. That's it. That's it. Christian, your name is it's not important. Like my name is not important. Like uh, Jesus, I think in Luke, I think it was Luke 10, 20, said, uh, hey, here, here's what you need to worry about your name. Worry that your name is written in heaven, in the book of life. Live for the glory of God. Live, live each moment humbly looking for that, the gospel opportunity. But let me just, last thing and then we're done. Let me, let me say it like this. 
as we think about these three things. What, what, who are we really looking at? We're looking at Jesus. Jesus, who was available enough to leave heaven and come to earth for you. Jesus, who, who was courageous enough in the face of fear to be crucified on a cross for your sin. Jesus, who graciously connected you to the Father, is the only mediator between God and man. Look to Jesus, that church. Look at his availability. Look at his courage. Look at his gracious connection to the Father. That, that is life-changing. Y'all pray with me this morning.